Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 697. This is being recorded on October 12, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peek. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Franz Bernberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. We have a lot to talk about. But uh, first, let's do some housekeeping. You can help support the site. Keep this going at patreon.com slash pc per we may have mentioned this a few times a few hundred times but we're just going to throw it out there again and this week we want to shout out to giga and justin O. thank you very much and to all of our regulars as well of course keeping this going now let's shift immediately to the food with josh segment i don't know if it's a burger what it's going to be take it away it's a little crazy it was it was called the uh the GQ burger. No, GQ beef. I don't know what GQ stands for, but here's what it was. It was a single burger patty with Philly sirloin meat, mushrooms, bell peppers, caramelized onions, queso, bacon, and finally topped with A1 sauce. This was a whopping $13.99 burger packed to the brim with things that will probably cause my gout to inflame. But is it worth it? You bet it. You bet your bippy it did. Is. Was. Look, even that bun's a little buttered on there. You see that? Yeah. Mm. This is a full meal deal. This is the real thing. Fries were good too. So everything in that is goodness and light. And, you know, the A1 really brought it together. Made it a, you know, kind of less dry, more interesting type thing. And this was definitely a, um, this is a burger that you had to have a knife on a fork. You just couldn't pick it up. Just doesn't work that way. Physics doesn't work in this universe to allow such activities. So, yeah, it was tasty. It was a lot. And I'm skipping dinner and breakfast tomorrow. Let's move on to our lead story, which is, of course, the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4090 Founders Edition review. We got this card in advance and had some time to test it on a brand new platform, which, of course, there's going to be some growing pains there and probably have to retest everything that I present in this review. But we did put this new card on a AM5 system with the 7950X. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, it seems to be breaking things. It's so fast. I don't know. But it's, in case you haven't been following the saga, through all the rumors, it was supposed to be this this crazy thing that was going to require you to have dedicated circuits or run it off your dryer outlet. And in the end, it was a card that has the same uh, total board power rating as the 3090 Ti at 450 watts. Costs $400 less than the theoretical MSRP of the 3090 Ti. Same. Do you know what's really type. fascinating? Huh? What? About it. Are you ready for me? I'm ready, Josh. Okay. We'll put that back up. Okay. You're going to talk about that transistor table. count? Mm-hmm. I do. So, yeah, they, they went from a Samsung 8 nanometer, which really was not kind of 8 nanometer. And uh, what the old one was was 28.3 billion and a larger die size. This is more than double the transistor. So your density is decreasing significantly and it's a smaller die size. So it's that specialty TSMC 4 nanometer NV, which is in actuality a 
based on TSMC five nanometer. But yeah, at first I thought it was pretty high priced and you know, it is cause not everybody can afford a $1,600 video card, but you gotta think that masks themselves for these, and you have to have multiple sets of masks to do the lithography. Uh, they're essentially a hundred million a piece. I mean, stuff has gotten crazy, crazy expensive. They're just these blocks of quartz that, you know, have a big chip on them that they put in the litho machine and do the light waves through to do the photo resist. It's just, it's nuts. And it has to be perfectly clear and they're a big chunk. And yeah, hundred million dollars just for masks. And another hundred million for that machine from ASML or whoever makes it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, that's, uh, that's, that consumes the amount of power of, of a small town, you mm-hmm. know, 1500 to 3000 people, I think. And, um, that's, that's how much power just one EUV. So, um, producing things is not inexpensive. Designing it again, not inexpensive. And, I would love to have seen it at, you know, a thousand bucks, maybe 1100, but mm-hmm. no, I mean, the performance is, well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Let's, let's Just quickly go over the specs for the audio listeners. It's uh, the first Ada Lovelace GPU being released to the public. It's AD 102 has 128 SMs enabled. That gives you 16,384 CUDA cores up from 10,752 with a 3090 Ti. And tensor core counts 512, RT core is 128. So it, it should be significantly more powerful just looking at this with both raster and ray traced um, operations. And then the base clock is 2235, boost clock is 2520 megahertz. Of course, it'll opportunistically boost higher, theoretically, depending on your power limit and voltage and all of that. Same memory system as the 3090 Ti. What is different about this is the level two cache with Ada Lovelace is significantly bigger. So it's not on the table above, but the cache size, the L2 cache moves from about six megabytes with the 3090 Ti to 70 megabytes with the 4090. So, you know, we saw how big a boost in performance you could get from cache with the RX 6000 series. So that's an interesting data point there from NVIDIA. And the card itself, of course, there's all these jokes about how big it is and it's just this massive thing and it takes up, well, it's a three slot design and it does require a lot of power, but it's not anywhere. It's no different really than the 3090 Ti. So this is not new territory. It's just that maybe momentary slash, you know, transient, power, the spikes might be harder on a PSU. Uh, I went to the Be Quiet site. They had this thing um, uh, on the RTX 40 series. Do I need a new power supply? And it talks about it. And of course, it the GPU itself by the Founders Edition comes with a sense cable that goes out to four PCIe 8 pins. And it actually manages the load between the cables, which is rather interesting. I think it was Drabauer who was kind of talking about that, like how the load was distributed over the cables. And I think Steve at uh, Gamers Nexus was mm. talking about that too. 
So it actually so you don't is... end up with just one red one. What's that? Was due, that a due to overheating? <laughs> yeah, due no. to overheating. It apparently does a remarkable job. I don't think I've ever seen Steve more calm and almost complimentary than when he was talking about uh, how well behaved the card is. The the interesting thing I found about the power draw and both uh, Derbauer and Igor's lab hit on this is that it pulls almost nothing from the PCI slot itself. Yeah, ten watts. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's a a lot of folks who were, you know, looking forward and getting motherboards with uh, additional six-pin power to feed the PCI slot, and now it's not using any at all. Yeah, which is really mm. the way it should be, because then you don't have to worry about yeah. how robust right. the PCI power delivery is, and we don't have to try and figure out how to figure out how much wattage is being pulled from the uh, PCIe slot again. Yeah. Yeah, for those in- interstitial, like the thing that Alan made with the, the mess of wires yeah. coming off of it. But that was a different time and a different vendor. Anyway, uh, like I mentioned, the test platform for our testing, and of course, there's a ton of reviews. They, this was not a limited uh, release to media. There's a lot of uh, launch reviews out there. Pick your favorite. I did something a little different to try to help differentiate us, but we'll talk about that as well. So it's the 7950X stock. So I didn't do any of the PBO tuning or anything like that. The Meg uh, X670E Ace motherboard from MSI running V2, uh, V1.25 beta BIOS, which is still the latest release. That's AGISA uh, 1.0.0.3 patch A. And rebar was enabled, of course. So then you have 32 gigs of DDR. I, I wrote DDR4. It's DDR5 6000 CL30. Be Quiet sent over a Dark Power Pro 12 1500 watt power supply, which ended up being massive overkill. And I'm running Windows 11 Pro. I didn't write it here, but it's 22H1, not H2. And every uh, card tested was actually all on the, the new press driver, 521.90. And uh, the first result, it basically says it all. So I tested the 2080 Ti over again. 3080 Ti, a 3090, and then the 4090. I don't have a 3090 Ti, or I would have included it. And I don't have a, a 6900 XT or a 6950 XT. So I, I just thought, you know what? I don't even have the fastest cards from AMD. I'm just going to compare RTX cards since the launch of RTX with the 2080 Ti. So the performance is almost double in times by extreme. It goes from a score of 10,515 with our factory overclocked RTX 3090, which is the MSI Supreme, all the way up to 19,325. And this is just the graphics score. And I thought, oh, I just ran Time Spy like an idiot. I'll go back and run Time Spy Extreme. And then I did, and it was the same score. So I moved on. And then the controversial Cyberpunk result I'll have first. I saw LTT. There's going to be a correction or a video update coming because the Linus Tech Tips review had this enormous uh, result from Cyberpunk, which they said they triple-checked because it didn't make any sense. What I have noticed is that Cyberpunk has become very difficult uh, to rely on because starting with version 1.60, there were some changes made. Even if you're using the CAN benchmark, even if you're using preset settings, there are sub-settings, there are sliders that are all different from 1.52 to 1.60. So I think that might have thrown mm-hmm. some people off. You use the same setting, 
and your game auto updated and you're using the you know you're using the steam version of the game and now your benchmark is different your results are are higher or lower depending on what you're doing which version you're running i manually adjusted things and tried to match 1.52 and then i finally just gave up so when i retested cyberpunk with these four cards it was all with exactly the same settings on the same system all i did was power the system down swap video cards reboot, fire the game back up, and benchmark again. So it should be a perfect comparison between these cards, but I think the frame rates might have been influenced by AMD FSR, which is enabled by default, apparently even when you turn it off. I turned it off. <laughs> I, I see like Hardware Unboxed, who at, at 2560 by 1440 is getting like 100 and something, 110, 120 max. And I'm at 184.71 at 3440 by 1440. And that was this point of differentiation. I thought, you know, hey, this ultra wide thing is kind of a PC exclusive thing. And why not test at a high resolution ultra wide? This is less demanding than 4K. So I thought, hey, I'll get really high frame rates, saturate this 144 hertz monitor, which I did in some tests. But in this one, 1% lows were still below that 115.60. But again, there might be some kind of resolution scaling going on in the background. It was it was on. I turned it off. I hit apply. I ran the benchmark. I restarted the game a bunch of times. And who knows? So it, this could be erroneous. But uh, Metro Exodus doesn't have that issue. And it was almost double as well. You went from 52 frames a second with the 3090 to 94 frames per second mm. with the 4090. Again, Boy, 34, you, 40 that, uh, by 1440, the- highest detail settings yes josh the the difference between a 3080 ti and a 3090s is kind of embarrassing so but, i feel yeah, bad for all no. those people the 3090 came down to 1100,000 bucks and you bought one feels bad man i constantly referenced her bauer but he's the only tech tuber i watch sorry um he's been saying for a long time like the 3080 ti is the highest it makes any sense to go 3090 didn't, didn't really make it's sense just- I made the, less. The regular 3080 12G is 200 yeah. bucks less, 300 bucks less. And yeah, the right TA doesn't there. give you that much. Not much. I mean, it's a few more shaders, but yeah, yeah you expand the uh, um, memory bus and you have 12 gigs. Problem solved. I feel p- kind of bad for the folks that bought a 3090 Ti in March of this year. Uh, Ooh, yes. Painful. Super painful. For $2,000. They had to know. I mean, you knew 40 series cards were coming and you made that choice. You bought that $2,000 card or, you know, 3000 or whatever you paid for. Yeah, but they were going to make it Mac mining, so they didn't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I looked up the 4090 <laughs> earlier and uh, <laughs> I put it into the nice hash profitability calculator. And just whatever the defaults were for energy cost, it came back with a result of negative 84 cents a day. So. <laughs> Mining is dead. It's dead. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Dirt five, Josh. I did a little uh, ultra wide racing, mm-hmm. ultra preset. Everything turned up native resolution. I turned off any kind of resolution you know, scaling. You know what makes me sad about Dirt five? It actually looks worse than Dirt Rally two which is like a three year older title. It looked pretty good when I had everything turned on and the ray traced yeah. uh, reflections turned on. 
wasn't bad. And they've got all kinds of things too. Like, you know, they, they've got the, the resolution scaling and, and it's, you know, it's a pretty advanced little engine for yeah getting the most performance and, and, you know, best looking stuff. But it, yeah, I don't think they, they worked as hard on the, uh, the art assets. As, well, it looks as like did. a console game, Josh. I think it looks pretty much the same on the PS five as it does on the PC. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. Yeah. Anyway, um, same kind of deal, same performance boost, basically looking at, this chart looks like the uh, 3D Mark uh, Times by Extremes chart again. It goes from 121, 122 frames per second with 3090 all the way up to 206 with the 4090. And then I started doing some uh, RTX DLSS testing. And I went back to the old Bright Memory Infinite benchmark from a couple of years ago. Ran that at you know, native resolution, so 3440 by 1440, did the very high setting for ray tracing. I set DLSS to quality, and it jumped from the 3090s 64.64 frames per second on average to 112.75 with the 4090, but the 1% lows weren't any better. In fact, they were about a frame and a half worse. So clearly their driver, the press driver, was not uh, optimized for bright memory infinite. But that's the kind of thing that will improve over time, any of the 1% lows that were wonky, I'm sure will get addressed with future driver updates mm. if it's an important enough title. And here's Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition. Again, 3440 by 1440 Extreme preset, which is just, it's just mean. This is very, very hard on a GPU. And I had DLSS set to balanced. And just to give you an idea of the performance, say you have a 2080 Ti. You can get about 55 frames per second on this ultra-wide monitor in this game at these settings. Which is it was just very respectable, especially if it's like a free sync monitor and you know you don't have any screen tearing or anything, even though it's sub sixty. Okay, fine. Thirty eighty Ti takes you well over sixty. You're at an average of seventy six frames per second, and then the forty ninety you're at almost one hundred and twenty frames per second, with your one percent lows being over sixty. So this is the card to get for like one hundred and twenty hertz gaming at really high settings on an ultra wide. And in some cases, you can even do, you know, 144 or more. And that's when we get into the whole frame generation thing. There's another cyberpunk result that could be meaningless. Who knows? These are more, this, by the way, this result is more in line with what other people were getting. But I have the RT Ultra preset, which is different from the Ultra preset. So I also wonder if there was maybe some confusion about that. The thing about cyberpunk in the settings is that there are certain settings that you actually have to leave the game for the settings change to take effect. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if everybody doing the cyberpunk test is aware of that. Um, I know if you activate or deactivate DLSS, um, you have to actually restart the game uh, for those changes, that change to take effect. Um, and I've found that to be true in several games that use DLSS. Uh, control was the same way. If you turned on or off DLSS, you had to restart the game. Um, and so I wonder if some of the odd numbers in Cyberpunk are coming from people staying in the game, running a benchmark, turning DLSS off, running it again um, without restarting the game. Yeah, could be. It doesn't prompt you to. Some games do. Like when I was testing Flight Simulator... It might shock you to know this, but Flight Simulator, the latest game from Microsoft, is a DX11 title with mm -hmm. beta DX12 support. And then on top this of that... This is not shocking. 
we were given a hmm. press driver, which was a different branch that also offered DLSS three uh, capabilities. But so this this chart is is annoying to me to look at because my DLSS didn't really do anything, even though I was restarting after enabling it. So it went from seventy four frames per second on average to seventy six. There's something wrong there. When I turned on DLSS 3.0 performance mode with frame generation enabled, it took things up from that 74 to 76 frames per second level to 156.9 with 1% lows of 86.76. Now, obviously, you're rendering half as many frames, so it essentially doubles whatever DLSS would be giving you. Uh, If you're going to do this, the concern is, of course, going to be visual fidelity. And I have not looked at any of the reviews where they've done any kind of 3LSS 3.0 deep dives, if anybody has yet, where they look at still images and try to point out the difference between frame generation on versus off or talk about any kind of visual artifacts or anything related to that. I didn't see anything. Just to the naked eye sitting here at 144 hertz monitor, it looked completely normal. I wasn't seeing any kind of... You know, like the jello motion or the soap opera, soap opera effect. Anything effect. I would normally attribute to frame interpolation on a TV. Mm. There was none of that. It just looked buttery smooth and was at a very high frame rate. Because, for example, in Cyberpunk, my 1% lows were still above the 144 refresh rate of the monitor. <laughs> and it's a free sync monitor, so it'll, it'll go below. And I won't see tearing, but st- it was... It was just fantastic. It looked great. I was staring at the monitor up close, trying to see, like, oh, maybe the clouds look a little wonky, but then the clouds looked wonky anyway. So I couldn't quite tell, like, if there was, like, shimmering on the edges of the clouds. The plane was perfect. The buildings all looked the same. The water looked the same. So I don't know. It's And that was in Flight Simulator. In Cyberpunk, it looked identical. But who knows, because maybe my other Cyberpunk testing was uh, with some kind of... AMD resolution scaling going on in the background all the time anyway. But we've, we've talked about the power a little bit. The f- clocks are quite high. Cl- they were close to 2,800 uh, megahertz, like 2.76 or something, 2.75 uh, gigahertz. And board power draw, even when I ran Metro Exodus at 3440, 1440 Extreme, it was 436 watts at the board. 648 at the wall. I didn't make one of those traditional uh, wall power charts, but I have some notes here I can pull up on my notepad here. The 3090, under the same circumstances, was pulling 616 at the wall, and the 3080 Ti was pulling 553 at the wall. So not horrific. No, it's like 30 watts more Hmm. than the 3090 Supreme that we have. Hmm. uh, It's pretty darn good for this level of performance, but something that... um, Kent alluded to earlier comes into play because if you start talking about efficiency, it stops making as much sense for them to have gone as big as they did with the power limits because you gain so little by having the power draw at 450 watts and I'm sure even less by going up to 600 like you can with some partner cards with like the plus 133 power limit. It's, uh, I'll just, I'll bring up the Bauer video, because, of course, the launch day, he had something a lot different than most 
to talk I about. I was going to bring that up. It, it's mm-hmm. really interesting what he came up with. So we'll just look at his uh, chart here. He had a power target test he put together. And you can see the 100. Here he has it highlighted. 100% power limit. And his you know relative frames per second. And there's a sweet spot down much lower where you don't really need to exceed like 70, 80% power target to get most of the same performance. The sweet spot is actually at 50%, but to get within like 5% of the performance, you don't need to go anywhere near as high with power. Hmm. And I'll just uh, skip ahead here because he uh, has some results here with the power limit. So his... His estimate here at 60% power target, you lose 10% of performance, but a third of the power draw. And putting that into some results here, here's a PUBG, so 4K esports settings, as he put it. Power drops from 423 to 283. You only lose 5% of your frames per second. And then he also retested, I think it was Cyberpunk. Yeah, Cyberpunk at 4K Ultra went from 139 frames per second with 330 watts. To 136, that's only 3 frames per second less, or minus 2%. And power draw went down to, like, 270 watts. And he, he ended up doing some, like, curve editing and stuff and trying to uh, uh, make this, like, to on a more granular level. But it ended up just being, no, just the power target. Just set the power limit down in your software, like Afterburner or whatever you're using. And you'll see virtually no discernible performance hit but you'll draw like a third less power. So it, it mm. just reminded me of the 7950X because the 7950X is so aggressive with voltage and power. If you drop the voltage just a little bit, if you have a well enough bend CPU to do that, and then you lower the power limits, you get all the performance, all the performance with way less power draw and significantly lower temperatures. And as impressive as the thermals were on this card, and they are very impressive, Watch the Gamers Nexus video where he does all of his temperature probes and stuff, but uh, it's like 60 to 70 degrees Celsius all the time under mm. load, and it's not loud. And it would be even better if you just lowered the voltage a little bit or lowered the power limit a little bit. Although Jabauer did say that uh, performance was never capped by thermals of course or power even when he increased the power limit he was always voltage limited so unless there's going to be some workarounds to unlock the voltage on the card he said there was no software or anything that could do it at least not yet yeah he in his uh add-in board partner video that he released today he looked Mm -hmm. at a couple of other cards and it's the same way there um they have a hardware limited um voltage of 1.05 volts um and to override that it's going to have to be external add-ons um completely uh hard modding the boards um because nvidia has put a hard cap on uh, their own and their uh, add-in board partners control of voltage Yeah, they're they're running these things at the ragged edge, like all yeah. silicon people, AMD, Intel, with their next gen stuff coming up here shortly. You know, they've got so much feedback internally to the chip and and, and aggressive power gating that 
yeah, that last 5% of performance, uh, you know, it's, it's taken an extra 30% of power, but they're willing to do that because benchmarks and they don't care how much power you consume at home. They were tired of but the overclocker stealing all of the thunder, Josh. <laughs> yeah. They're doing it well, themselves no, because... now, right out of the box. But now it's the undervolter that's stealing the, the, <laughs> yeah. the uh, thing. Because of you with the, the new latest new Ryzen chips. Yeah. That, you have a point. Right? You latest Ryzen point. chips. You undervolt them. The 4090. You undervolt it. This is the new sort of thing. <laughs> this is oh, all bizarre, RX, but it works. The RX 5000 oh, series, too. When I reviewed those <laughs> yep. a couple of years ago, I was like, yeah, did you undervolt? Do you have results with undervolting? Like un- undervolting? What are you talking about? Like no, well, how little I knew mm-hmm. would become this, the standard. I've I've, I've had the, um, yeah the Ryzen five thousand series. I had some great results in uh, using the performance boost overdrive undervolting on several mm-hmm. of those chips. Um, unfortunately, the fifty eight hundred X that's in my wife's computer is apparently not been very well because I could not get it to be stable with any undervolt at all. Hmm. But um, yeah, uh, undervolting is, is in a way the new overclocking. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, if you want a quiet system, hell yeah. I'm going to say as the kids these days, they just don't do things right anymore. (laughs) Well, wait until somebody uh, comes up with a pencil mod for the 4090 to, oh, okay. to unlock the then voltage. I'll be happy will. again. Then they will. By one, the way, one, uh, of the headlines, one of the headlines. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What, one of the headline takeaways should be that the demise of the 750 to 800 watt power supply was called too soon. Yeah, yeah if you have like a robust one, you need to have enough uh, capacitance on the PSU to give those, like, you know, that great transient true. response. It sounds like we're That's talking about true, amplifiers. But- but we are talking about a little bit, just if you pull those voltage uh, uh, or the power uh, draws just a little bit in, you're going to be oh, sure, yeah. so fine. You're going to be if so fine. If you drop fine. this to like 80 or 90% power limit, I don't think you'd really see much of a performance hit at all. And then you could still exactly. use that older 850 watt power supply, I'm assuming. Easy. Well, NVIDIA was recommending 850 on the, their 4090 yeah. Founders Edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and several of the others uh, add in boards with their... You know, like PNY, who always uses sort of a, a reference design yes. on yeah. their boards, um, they're recommending 850. Um, it's only mm-hmm. uh, Asus with their Strix card and a couple of the, I think, the Gigabyte RS card. And they're recommending 1,000. And I want to say Zotac has one. They're recommending like 1,200. But, um, yeah, pretty much... Yeah, I think if you've got an 850 and you get the correct cable, you're going to be generally fine if you've got a good quality PSU. Yeah, does your PSU have at least four separate eight pins coming off of it? Then you'll probably be okay because it'll distribute the load across the the four. And if you've got, you know, 600 watts on tap at any given time, you'll be okay. What was max power? I've got the power. What's that? I've got the power. Good. Power? I think the highest draw I've seen anywhere so far was uh, Steve at Gamers Nexus had 666 watts max, but that was running like torture tests. Like he was doing Furmark. He was running Furmark, and he had the power slider taken all the way up to 130%. Right. Um, So it's fan service basically at that point. 
because it's the, totally and unrealistic. No, and there's really, and and Der Bauer showed it in one of his charts. There was almost no performance benefit of pulling the power slider over that far. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. In fact, like the end of his video was uh, the end of his launch day video with the Founders Edition was basically like Nvidia, come on, what are you doing? Like this is you're taking that last five percent that overclockers like him used to get by pumping up the power limits and increasing voltage and maybe even drawing 150, 200 watts over the rated TDP. But that's how it is out of the box. Right. You don't that's need that 150, 200 watts. Exactly. You don't need that last five yeah. percent of performance, but they're pushing things like he, what, what is the next Radeon going to be like that they had to push this hard for their 4090? It could be very the impl- competitive. The implications of that question are very interesting. Yes. So anyway, uh, can you actually buy these things? When I click on the link <laughs> to buy, of course, the Founders Edition is out of stock, but allegedly, these, oh. these links say buy now. I wonder if they actually go to a real product. They probably go to a a secondary site that says yeah. you can get it from the here. Yeah. Oh, I then, see. So let's yeah, see. There you go. go to Best Buy. So you go to B&H or Best Buy. they have the and... at Best Buy waiting? No. I think waiting. It, it was sold out earlier today Might be out at of Best Buy. Buy. Sold out. Yeah. Okay. Sold yeah, right. out. So they are, they are sold out at that price. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there were already people on the uh, Newegg secondary stores, partner stores, listing various... 4090s for, you know, $2,500, $2,600. Well, they were just frustrated that all the ARC sold out, so they had to go buy something. Right. And so they just settled for a 4090. Right. I I feel like that's a reasonable concession if you had your heart set on an A770. You're like, all right, well, at least the 4090 has AV1. Hey, if you want to measure this in a different way, and of course it's a, it's yeah. a hefty card, it's nearly five pounds with the adapter attached yep. to it. FPS review has this metric. It is less than 70 cents per gram. Interesting. So, I mean, you think about the gold prices. This isn't that unreasonable. 70 cents a gram? No. We're 315 a pound? Now, that's a roughly. very, very expensive steak, but, you know, it's not a steak. It's a graphics card. You know, getting on this topic of the price um, and sort of going back to something Josh was talking about uh, earlier about the the price of, you know, actually creating the wafers and the price of the, you know, the development and the engineering. Um, I was doing some research for another project a couple of weeks ago, and I found that apparently um, TSMC was charging for their uh, seven nanometer wafers they were charging right about nine thousand dollars a wafer for their four nanometer wafers they are charging just shy of seventeen thousand dollars for the wafer so that's a huge price increase for the manufacturing um you know and it's just it's going to lead to things being more expensive i mean that's the world we live in um you know most of the world's neon, which is very important to creating wafers, um, comes from Ukraine, and it's really hard to get stuff out of there right now um, for some reason. So, I mean, yeah, it's expensive, but I don't know that it's as, it's as expensive as it could be, uh, given you know, 
the wafer itself costing almost twice as much. Um, yeah. And when you're dealing with a big chip, your yields and bins are not going to be fantastic. Right. So, yeah, you're also uh, dealing with that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the PCBs are probably the cheapest thing of that. I mean, it's going to be like a 12 or however many layer, and that'll be 5 to 10 bucks. you know, well, maybe a little bit more. But, yeah, and you're talking much, about the rest of the components and the chip. Yeah, how, and how much do the the uh, the uh, oh, and the cooler by itself gigabyte. is probably going to be a hundred bucks. Yeah, hmm? and how much do the two gigabyte or uh, yeah, two gigabyte uh, GDR six X chips? Twenty four gigabyte. Well, you got t- uh, twelve two gigabyte chips. Yeah. Instead of the twenty four one gigabyte that we had on the thirty ninety and thirty ninety. Oh, this is the uh, corporate apologist corner. Of the podcast, yeah. yes. <laughs> this is totally fair pricing. I understand why they're charging sixteen hundred dollars for it. It makes perfect it's so sense because expensive. of their research and development costs and all of that stuff. They got to be able to make these. You know, somebody's got to make some money here. I don't think, honestly, that the forty ninety's pricing is the problem at all because thirty ninety Ti was two thousand dollars. This is sixteen hundred. Okay, yeah. uh, the problem is going to be the forty eighty. Uh, situation. The that's going to be a smaller chip, and yeah. Well, that's the odd thing to me is that the the forty ninety is the only one of these that is on the one hundred two chip. <clears throat> Everything well, else until the forty ninety Ti comes out, mm-hmm. but yes, well, yeah, exactly. Which will actually have or the, the full Titan chip, or whatever they call it. all all of it enabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the real issue is we've talked about before is that the 30 series is still there it's still in the supply chain they still have them and you don't want to undercut the price of the 3080 so instead of competing with it directly what you've done is that you have basically put it into a lower segment of your product stack to have it at the 699 price point and then you have the 899 price point with your new 4080 and then the 1199 price point for what should actually be the only 4080 so then you've got i mean who would buy a 4070 for a 899 when you can get the 3080 for 699 or find a 3080 12 gig that's going to get you basically the performance of a 3080 ti almost it's just a even though the performance is going to look really impressive in benchmarks it's, uh, it's, I, this would never have happened. We would have had, we would have had the same kind of generational, like massive uplift that we're seeing of up to two X raster performance across the board, 3080 to 4080 and 3070 to 4070, all of that, except there's all these 3080s they need to sell and, you know, nobody's doing write downs and rebates and yeah i'm looking at amazon the 3080 12 is still the lowest is 749 which you know not yeah. horrible I, but at the same I, time I you, you would hope even on 12. prime day what's that i picked up a 3080 12 about two months ago and yeah mm-hmm. it's still the same price as it was then how so. much was nvidia charging partners for those chips I wonder. Because hmm. during the mining craze, MSRP was meaningless, and 
they could charge whatever they wanted because the board didn't sell only, any price. It wasn't only the dollar figure. They were also forcing them to buy in a certain quantity at a certain price, which is why you're seeing so many still in the market, obviously. So they, were, they had to lock in and in order to get any allocation, they had to lock in at a quantity. What is it? But they, they figured that margins, gross margins for these board producers are like 7 8%. Yeah. So it wasn't EVGA supposed to be right like now. two? Yeah, some, some very, very low number. And, why they got out yeah. of the game. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. seem to recall that at the as 30 <clears throat> series was originally coming, there were some stories about um, NVIDIA having to buy back um, a large number of 20 series um, uh, chips from their board partners. Um, and I just feel like maybe it, when this time came around, they refused to do that. I seem to have heard something like that. And that being one of the big reasons that EVGA did what they did. Okay. Um, Here's a theory I just came up with. Imagine uh-oh. that the mining crash didn't happen because Ethereum didn't emerge or whatever it's called. Uh, and that these cards are still unavailable. You could have launched the 40 series at the same price as the 30 series and talked about these huge improvements and how great it is. But then, of course, the actual market pricing of this would be a lot higher. And it wouldn't matter because the supply chain would take care of itself because you'd still be selling these things in, in, in mass quantities. Back when the 30 series launched, that was during the chip shortages and the mining craze. So... They didn't have to worry about it. They could even buy back chips because they were being resold as their, what was the mining series of GPUs? Yeah. We even saw them re-release the 2060 during that time and do some yep. other things. So it, it And then at the same time, do the low hash rate just to pretend that they cared too. Yeah, we had the <laughs> LHR stuff. That's true. So it's just, it all, it all seems to point to the, the mining crash as the reason why these are so expensive, I think. As crazy as that sounds, they would be more expensive to actually buy if mining was still a thing. But the yeah. list prices, I don't think would be... Would be a bit lower. Yeah, because yeah. of this whole... Whenever you've got thing. movement right. of, of stock and you, you don't have anything in the warehouses just depreciating, then that's that that's that's awesome for any kind of company. Yeah. You've got huge sell-through then, you know, profits will follow because you, you have no, you know, you have to stock things up and that costs money and then they sit there and that's money that's just sitting there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, bad it's a loss because you're paying for the space. Yeah. You're True. losing money you're every day on, on that. Mm-hmm. Inventory. Let's, let's move on. We could talk about RTX 4090 all night, but we should move on because there was oh, other gosh, important yes. news. Noctua understands that processor hygiene is an important consideration when you're, you know, building a new system and changing out your coolers. So they are offering a way to stop thermal paste buildup before it starts. Now, this this was an issue for it's a lot a of bib. people. And it's, it's, it's something that I think it's it, – there's no shame in admitting – that you're slopping thermal paste all over the place is getting down the sides of your intricate new IHS. Stop, stop thermal paste buildup before it mm. starts. I think that's yeah. That should, that should be their tagline. I yeah. I I pitched it to him. Well, not really. I just wrote this article, but here it is. Uh, you can see the thermal paste being applied, and you know what? It doesn't matter if it slides off the edges. 
And of course, uh, Thermal Grizzly has one now too, which is like a silicone bib thing. It's it's a new Ooh. product category. Who knew it was going to be a product category? You've got a, and they're individually wrapped for your protection. Well, that's the the cleaning wipes, which they already sold Jeez, anyway. I mean, this is not some new Jeremy. product. Sure, it is. Wipes, but, uh, you know, it's it, it has its own name. I love that. It's the NA TPG one, which is a you know plastic thing, a thermal paste guard. I guess is the new product category, and they even sell a bundle. You can get the NTH one. Uh, AM5 edition and the NTH2 oh, oh, AM5 can, edition. Can we see? Can we see the AM5 edition? The AM5 edition, Brett. Glad you asked. Yeah, it comes yeah. with the thermal paste. It comes with the cleaning wipes. It comes with the uh, guard. It has it all. It has everything you this need seems, in one package. This is like a black tie edition. This is great. Yeah. I bet. I hope it comes in one mm-hmm. of the really nice boxes too. With the, mm-hmm. They have excellent packaging. Like, you know, I think presentation uh, in something like this is really important. No, you would as the yeah. well. I mean, fan what else are you going to sell it with? Of course, of course. Come on. Okay, Jeremy. Do they make was... them uh, for T Rex though? Because th- that is literally the Threadrippers have been the only ones I've had trouble pasting lately. Because holy crap, that's almost a playing card. It is very big. Well, don't you? No, you run out yes. after that entire tube. You're like, man, I need another whole tube. <laughs> I depends on how many CCXs there are. Because if you know where they are, you might only have to do two of them. <laughs> I do not miss uh, playing around with Threadripper testing because it is is a mess. Because it's such a big surface. Even oh, if you're yeah. like carefully, you know, thinning it out and like using a card or whatever, it's it's so much. And then face. one little scrape, and now you got a whole empty spots. You and there fix are that. there are a lot of LGA pens under that thing. You do not want to slop excess thermal paste anywhere in the vicinity of that socket. You know, I could sort of see that product having use for people that are like doing cooler testing on that that platform. Yes, absolutely. Where you're, you, know, uh, you know, constantly putting on and taking off coolers and changing oh, the paste. Oh, God. But for th- the person that's going to buy that motherboard and put a cooler on it and change it like twice in a five-year period or whatever, I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's it's like they're taking a lot of time and trouble to make something for me because it's something yeah. that just media. There's you know thousands of media out there who cover this stuff and test all this stuff, so they'll buy it. <laughs> all I'm doing Think is picturing someone with a... Bucket of thermal paste beside them, a drywall spreader, and that little bib. Yes. All right, that CPU is good. Like laying bricks. There we go. <laughs> Done. Like four Done. boards in a row. Don't they just, just use the graphite sheets like I do for testing? Flick it off. You don't have to. Oh, I don't know if I graphite sheet uh, Ryzen 7. That makes me too, too much toasty. sense. They're too toasty for that. Let's, let's move on because, as Jeremy writes, PC purchases plummeted perilously. It's... 19.5% compared to this time last year. And, well, last year was not a good year for PC sales. So, yeah. Uh, and this is the most precipitous plunge since the 90s, uh, if you remember those. Uh, some of you may not have been there. Some of you might have been actually paying attention to hardware. Uh, even Apple is seeing a, a decline, but 
that they're sort of the winners because they declined less than everyone else did. Uh, the two two of the places that uh, keep track of it, IDC and Canalysis, pegged it at about 68, 69 million units shipped, which is significantly lower than anyone was expecting. Uh, I mean, one of the hilarious things is that a lot of it is Windows 11. Uh, as a recent survey showed, right out, uh, there is more than four out of every 10 PCs lack the hardware to run it. And this is enterprise stuff because Microsoft is still baffled why enterprise is not even glancing at Windows 11 and desperately disabling BitLocker and various other things so that they can prevent it from sneaking in. Uh, but they figured, oh, well, no one's got the hardware to run Windows 11, so there's going to be a huge hardware refresh, and everyone's going to... Wait, where is everyone? Why are they not buying hardware for our new operating system? This is confusing. I mean, there's also various economic factors going on right now, because at least you can say the supply chain is more or less back to what it used to be. And so you've just got this, this giant conflux of... A bunch of people betting on Windows 11 doing hardware refreshes, so they poured a lot of money into it, which is not going anywhere. Uh, you've got the inflation and just the general lack of ability to go out and buy stuff on uh, disposable income hitting them. And, of course, there is also the fact that this is really going to hurt some of our friends. Like AMD suggests the sales figures that they were expecting for the coming quarter are going to be at least 1 to 1.2 billion under what they suggested and considering last quarter was six and a half billion. That's, that's a good chunk of income right there. Uh, Intel is going to be seeing the same sort of thing. Dell, everyone, they're just seeing this giant plummet. So again, it's the last year of the PC, just like it was last year and the year before and <laughs> the year before. And it, yeah, but not good news for investors and not good news for people that, uh, I've, really want companies to be able to make money so that they can develop new stuff. On the other hand, we might have some fire sales and some fire sales yeah, would be good. That could be. I hope so. And speaking sure. of that uh, AMD thing, they issued early financial results for Q3 and missing guidance yeah. by a billion dollars quote, as client yeah. revenue craters end quote. This is Ryan Smith at Anante. Yeah, well, they, Ooh, uh, craters is a good one. They uh, came late to the party uh, due to, you know, very, very strong servers. Uh, they kind of insulated them a bit from the PC side. And plus the, their graphics side is not as robust as what NVIDIA has, obviously. They don't make as much money there. And so, you know, they didn't have this huge inventory problem. But still, about two quarters after, you know, the weakness for NVIDIA and Intel showed, it's finally hitting AMD. They showed up late for the party, but they showed up with bells on, so... Yeah, and we yes. talked already about Intel and their guidance, but a few podcasts ago. But here we have a report at Ars Technica. This is not from Ars; it's from Bloomberg. But Intel allegedly planning its first major layoffs in almost six years. They could lay off more yeah. like a thousand or thousands. They said thousands, thousands, and wow. it won't be the mobile division because they're already gone. Uh, hmm. And it's again, it's it's client that is that is hurting. Man, what a time to release. Windows 11, because what's compelling about it? It's Windows 10 with a more Mac-looking skin over the top of it, and, you know, some kind of onerous stuff surrounding it, and the, the weird little TPMs. Hardware restrictions. 
or huh? to, to storage, gaming storage, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, but that was something they originally planned for Windows 10. They just pushed yeah. it to 11 to make it an exclusive yeah. so you had a reason to upgrade. Yeah, and uh, no, really someone was bright enough the, to say, "Hey, we need to hold something back to convince people to upgrade." The only people I know of that have gone to Windows 11 intentionally um, are people like me who got an Alder Lake and needed to use Windows 11 to take advantage of the um, E core P core difference. Um, but that's something that Microsoft could have put into windows 10 mm -hmm. and we would have been perfectly happy. And that's why they didn't put it there. Um, but yeah, I'm once I actually get the time to write the article, um, there were a lot of things I had to do to windows 11, um, just to get it where it wasn't a tremendous resource hog, uh, even at a completely fresh install. Um, uh, it, it's it's not it, it's not a compelling operating system, and if you've got Windows 10 and you don't have Alder Lake, uh, stay on 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no. I still haven't pushed my test machine to 11, though. I no. I've got to. I just none of my other machines at home run it, so. But I, I think if, if I ever do a review again, well, you got to do it. It's it's hard to feel like it's absolutely necessary when there are certain cases where 10 actually can perform better than 11, or at least that was the case a few months ago. And then all the dry, all the devices that come out still have driver support for 10 along with 11. So any new motherboard, any new graphics card, anything, you can still run it with the latest and greatest software without being on Windows 11. So it's it's a tough sell. If it was one of those things where this hardware requires Windows 11, well, then there's your there's your push. But it's just, there's been no oh. real... After all of the, the great reviews of Windows 11 you've put into the private chat, <laughs> I mean, it's... I can't believe I've leapt... I haven't leapt up there yet. Yeah, it wasn't until I made an installer that could bypass the requirement to have a Microsoft account just to get the damn thing installed. You're welcome. It, it, I thank you for it. That's why I decided, hey, finally, oh. I finally will upgrade the, the test platform to Windows 11. Oh, so now I'm supposed to be full bad again. Right. You are responsible. <laughs> back in the compliment. I love it. That's kind. And of course, you know, getting back to the, the sales of PCs falling, you know, we are sort of an outlier in the PC marketplace. Uh, the majority of the consumers for PCs, they treat PCs more like um, a car or a refrigerator. You you buy it and you use it until it doesn't work anymore. Um, and then you go get a new one. And we saw in 2020 when the pandemic happened, a huge number of people went and bought new computers, new laptops, whatever sorry my cat is uh moving my camera okay. <laughs> rearranging your video <laughs> um it, a huge number of people went and bought new laptops new pcs uh webcams whatever because they were yeah. now working remotely yep. well, they still got those they're two years old what do they need a new computer for is their thought so i, I think that's a huge part of why sales over the last two years have plummeted it's because they were skyrocketing during the first year of the pandemic. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. 
Have you ever heard the phrase lifelong learning or you can learn something new every day? How would you like to put that into practice in your life? You can make Masterclass a part of that right now. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime at your own pace. Whatever you're interested in, there's a class for you. From music or writing to business and style, technology, even sports and government. It's fantastic. Right now, I'm taking a class on tactical empathy from Chris Voss, former FBI lead kidnapping negotiator, because everything in life is a negotiation of some type. You can learn the art and technique of cooking from Gordon Ramsay or about astronaut training and space exploration from former ISS mission commanders. With over 150 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Hey, I just recently learned that great negotiation is really about great collaboration. I'm sure that'll come in handy later today. So go and explore the full library in the Masterclass platform and take lessons in any order across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, or even on the go with an audio mode from spaceflight to flights of fancy. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a PC Per listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash PC Per. That's masterclass.com slash PC Per for 15% off Masterclass. We're back and it's a story that's so nice. We had to post it twice because I did a story after watching the Twitch stream from TwitchCon where Intel was there showing off some new hardware. And then Jeremy posted another new story about it with a better picture than mine. So... Intel has taken the nook from the original, what was the 5x5 concept, the next unit of computing, all the way up to these extreme units that take a full-size graphics card with dual slots. And now there's something that just looks like a standard mini ITX PC on this desk here. The largest nook extreme yet. It's the Ghost Canyon. No, not the Ghost Canyon. Not the Beast Canyon. It's Raptor Canyon. I guess... Clever uh, girl. Clever. You beat me to it, Jeremy. And by the way... Well, you uh, need more practice. I have an admission to make. Uh, This PC pictured here on this uh, desk behind me is uh, basically my primary PC because it fits so nicely up on this tiny desk I have in our dining room. So all of my like family room computing when I'm writing up news posts and stuff is done on this Nook 11 Extreme with a full 3080 Founders Edition in it for those gaming moments. And it all works perfectly fine. There's no issue at all. So, like, what what do you need beyond that? Well, how about triple slot graphics cards? Dun, dun, dun. So, I don't know if it's going to fit. Even uh, ARC? Well, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's a 4090. <laughs> I think right it'll there. fit a 4090. I think it will, too. But Maybe there's not. that whole issue of clearance. Is there enough clearance above yeah. it for the adapter? Ooh, the height. But, uh, hey, there's already at least one adapter because Dr. Bauer keeps on showing his 90-degree power (laughs) monitoring adapter. But here we have the next unit of computing 13th gen monstrosity. You can see a lot of... uh, It's very dark, but there's a lot of uh, cooling fins here. It basically looks like a GPU at this point. And I'm assuming it's still a socket like it was with the 12 Extreme... I'm sure the DIY audience will absolutely hate this because you're you're big enough now with this latest Nook concept that it's as big as just a DIY PC. So, but the thing is that it still is like they're still using PC components in there. Yeah. So you can pop out that CPU, you can pop out that RAM. My big question is, is it going to be more or less expensive, um, including the compute board, uh, than buying yourself like a nice high end Mini ITX? that could actually be smaller than this thing, by the way. Uh, 
like what's the price comparison going to be? Is it actually more price smart to buy the Raptor Canyon or are you better off going on your own build? And I think that's going to be the deciding point there. Because if, if it comes at a huge premium, oh, but we've designed it so that it's specifically for these tiny things. Like, yes, so did my mini ITX guy, and I've got some amazing <laughs> cases to choose from. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, that nug is much larger than the vast majority of, of ITX cases that are out now. Oh, yeah. The, the There's really so many good ITX cases. Yeah. It's almost 14 13.9 liters. 14 liters, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 big. That's a lot of cola. Yeah. But it, so it's, Sleegers, smaller. Uh, Cooler Master does one about the same size. That Meshlicious is smaller. And generally, they're a hell of a lot less. Oh, wait, yeah, you still got to buy your motherboard. Oh, is that the Meshlicious? Oh, no, she picked that up instead of just going out to get more beer. There's beer inside of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Fantastic. What is that one called? That's the uh, Shift XT. Ah, that's right. Okay. Oh, but that one does get bigger. That one shifts. That is it, the full. It, that is at the highest. Oh, that is uh, already the largest. The highest. Okay. Bigger on the, the inside. Capacity. Hmm. How many liters is it fully extended? <sighs> I want to say it's right at uh, a thirteen. It's a very okay. personal question, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. you didn't have to answer, but I appreciate your candor. Would you say inserting a Intel CPU would be like giving it the blue pill? Ooh. Well, Speaking of somebody asked. There is a 12600K going into that. And a 3812K. Ah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, someone from the chat asked what a Nook was anyway. It's a next unit computing. Was you know, I'm sure that they were just mocking yeah. the way I pronounce it, oh. right? Because there's oh, some okay. people say Nook. And I've always just kind of said Nook, I think. I've always heard it. Nook is right. The next unit of computing. Intel was going to change the computing landscape forever. It's all going to these tiny things that have everything integrated into them. And it's, you know, the world web 2.0 and... <laughs> Didn't quite happen. Yeah, and that, that and the Nook has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and every bigger. year. You can still get small yeah. ones. You can still get really yeah. small ones. But if you want to, if you want the graphics horsepower, you've got to get the extreme. Although they do have the with the one in, in between the enthusiast one, which has like mobile graphics on the board with the CPU. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, Microsoft, uh, according to Bleeping Computer. Support for Windows 10 21H1 ending in December. That's awfully close. Yeah. You should probably upgrade to uh, 22H1. Oh, wait. No, there is no 22H1, is there? Uh, I think uh, it's called Windows uh, 11. I think the next build yeah, I think it's called Windows 11. Just look. It's going to download itself. Two anyway. more days. Supposedly in two days we get 22H2 for Windows 10. We'll see. Hmm. We have to we have to talk about Arc. Josh is right. Uh, I I forgot about this. Intel actually officially launched Arc. They picked the same day as the official uh, launch forty ninety forty ninety. But yes, I saw. Hey, you could get five Arc cards for the price of a forty ninety. So yeah, let's see. Yeah, I mean Ryan. 
posted a quick snap of two cards being available, a 750 and then a uh, ASRock 778 gig, but they were gone very, very shortly afterwards. Yeah, it's not even on like listing anymore. Seconds. Yeah. yeah. They had the ASRock partner models for no, a do, while. Do, do, do A770. Okay. Intel A770. Do it. See, there you go. Oh, there's the out-of-stock stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Phantom Gaming Arc, only 8 gigs. Yeah, it's the 8 gig, though. I would, I would Fancy want Fancy fan. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. The 16 gig is the way to go. Brian, Brian 20 broke bucks my for eight gigs? Not send me one, so... Ah. Uh, well, when I... Mean, I we've only was, been here for how many years? When I was nagging him about it, uh, the explanation that I got was that it was uh, pretty limited with sampling. And I get that mm-hmm. the bigger like YouTube channels, that sort of thing, would get it. But... Still disappointing. <sighs> It's time for gaming quick hits. We got a couple of games tonight to look at as we oh cruise on closer to midnight on the East Coast. New Blood Interactives coming game. I'm struggling with this title. So Blood Interactive. Is it looks developer. far out. Okay, but this, it looks Fallout, except yeah, it's very much a little so. less apocalyptic. So isometric, mm-hmm. old school graphics. Here it looks. It looks software rendered. Mm. But you've got uh, one of the guys that worked on Project Van Buren, which, of course, never happened, but is a very good guy. Uh, two of the guys that did the artists, or, or the artistry for Fallout uh, Sonora, and they grabbed Mark Morgan, the original composer for Fallout and Wasteland. So it's isometric, but the thing that they've done, and if you click on the 30-second video over at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, the combat switches from being isometric to being sort of a first-person style, not quite Final Fantasy, not quite Bard's Tale, but that sort of look to it. So you're looking, and they they obviously have different distances from you, and it's it's a 30-second clip, so you can't tell much about it, but it looks pretty interesting. And some of the names behind it make me think that, hey, this this could be my my fallout, not not everyone else's fallout. <laughs> like All right, fallout I, like I did enjoy things. some of the new ones, but one and two were really good, and they've got the whole Pip Goy thing going. But if you jump to it about uh, ten, with five ten seconds left in it, oh well, there you go. So it looks like that. You know, like obviously there are squares delineated quite. Visually, so people approach you and back off. But I don't okay. know. It looks interesting. It's releasing no time soon, is what they said. Oh. So, <laughs> congratulations for choosing this one, Brett. You're welcome. Well, this next one has Brett all over it because this is a humble bundle. That's what I say. There are no such thing as Skaven. All it's literally the everything. All the everything. Vermintide. All the Vermintide. One and two, every DLC, up to and including like just the cosmetic ones. But yeah, this is an impressive deal. If you like going on a multiplayer survival type game. 
If you like Left 4 Dead, this is going to amuse you. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like 25 bucks. Oh, 18 for at least these 21 yeah. items. So it's under a $20 value. You can't even put gas in your car for $20 anymore. <laughs> that is a painful subject, Brad. Well, we, you thing, can, yeah. just not much. No, this, no it does not. She might as well stay home. Stay home. You might download as well content. stay home. Download your gas. You wouldn't download a gas tank, would you? I would. No. I would pirate the shit out of that. And now we move on to. Now we move on to a review, not the forty ninety stuff again. This is a beautiful snow white enclosure from Thermal. With no it's, red apple in it anywhere. It's the. I was going to mention this. Now, by the way, the name of this product has the word "the" in it, so please understand. This is Thermal Takes the Tower Five Hundred snow because the white version has a separate name and a separate url it's thermal takes the the tower 500 snow vertical mid tower case so uh how big is it kent <clears throat> it, it, it it it's a mid tower uh according to thermal take but it is freaking huge um yeah, that's a full-size 3070 Ti that is taking up almost no space inside there. Okay, when I just um, let's look at the specs for a second, because their claim of a mid-tower doesn't make any sense. It says mid-tower under case type, and then expansion slot's nine. That is a full tower. That is a full tower. If it's the it's size a, of a full they tower, only, I believe they only tower. call this the mid-tower because they actually have the, the big brother of this, the Tower the, 900. Yeah. Um, yep. I you know what thermal take uh, the last time I went to one of their booths at CES they always had something like this just this massive showpiece so they yeah. have they have always had an affinity for large cases um, they used to have a model when I first got into building custom PCs um, called the thermal take sword that was uh, it, it it was on casters yeah um, it, it was huge. Um, but this is this is monstrous. This is absolutely the largest case I've ever built in. Um, but the so thing is, uh, <laughs> no, all that space no. and no five and a quarter inch bays. No five and a quarter. Come on, it's all glass, man. It's all glass. No, it's not all glass. Look, there's some metal here. There's that's, metal. That's, that's, um, hey, and okay. there actually, there's actually space if they had wanted to. to they could have put, honestly, mini optical drive bays. This, either of um, these panels uh, I'm looking at here on one of the sides, you could take this panel out and just put a bunch of five and a quarter inch bays all the way down So here. the um, the panel that you're scrolling across there is actually fixed to the glass. Oh. Now, you can flip that panel so that the mesh mm. is toward the front side of the case instead but of the back as it is This lower there. one comes out, though, right? The lower one does come out, okay. yes. So we could put um, some drives there. Uh, behind the motherboard tray, there is absolutely a massive amount of space. Um, so this is the top view because it's a rotated layout, right? It is a top view, degree. but a rotated layout. Okay. Um, is yeah, this a PSU it, mount? Because there's a PSU mount no. at the bottom. Okay. The PSU is on at the bottom on what the back What is this uh, frame for? Uh, brackets and fans and radiators you can put a 240 radiator at the top so um, that that kind of gives you some scale Th this square is 120 millimeters yes that's correct wow. you can also put uh up to 
you can't um, put a 280 radiator at the top. No. If I recall correctly, but you can put two 140 fans there. But really, why um, would you want to put one at the top? I mean, that belongs well, in the front. The, the thing with me in this case, I wish that, that, that it includes one set of brackets so you can put a 360 mounted to either the the left or the right, a 360-millimeter radiator. Okay. I wish that it had included two sets of those brackets because then you could put two 360s in it. As it is, it supports a massive amount of powerful hardware, um, but you're sort of limited to two 140s and a 360. Um you could do a really great custom loop in this. And I actually thought about doing a custom loop in it, but I really didn't have all the parts I needed at the time to do that. Oh. Um, but uh, it's got great cable management space. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's a really good case. If you want a case that large that has that appearance. Um, and that's, the, that's sort of the ticket. Um, is it's different than anything else. It you could build a great system to display uh, and use this case to display it. I should say, um, it's really easy to build in, but you have to want a case like that. I think is the big thing. It's, it's, it's not very impressive. It looks like a showcase, like it's a cabinet. Exactly. For exactly. Your, PC. Just hey, your dining room showcase. Put it in your living room. People come over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. It literally is. Josh. It's almost like a self-driving car. <laughs> it's, it's the same. It's just exactly like that. It's almost just like it. <laughs> okay. Let's look at some performance numbers, Kent. Uh, so if you look, um, yeah, how do you perform, it, Kent? It does not include any any can any case fans for the main chamber there are two fans that sit behind the motherboard tray yeah that the way thermaltake describes it is they're used to pull heat away from the back of the motherboard um i don't okay. really see how that's a that's an issue <laughs> um well, but it does those provide are the, flow those, through the case it does provide a negative outlet outlet right and, and um, so the so, from the bottom so what I did was I used um, the three Be Quiet um, uh, Pure Wings fans that I've always used in the standardized airflow testing. Um, set them at a thousand RPMs, two intake and one exhaust. Um, and in that configuration, at a thousand RPMs, if you compare it with other cases that I've reviewed with those fans at a thousand RPMs, the temperatures are actually very good. Um, and also because of the design of it, and I think probably just because of the sheer size, it, um, is pretty quiet case. Um, that's all going to depend on the fans you put in it though. Right. Um, but the temperatures were excellent. And, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's just such a huge interior volume. Plus there's so much ventilation that heat's just going to sort of flow right out of this. Yeah. Um, so if you're creating some movement of the air in there, the, the in, inside of it's just not going to get as hot as you would get from a smaller case. Um, 
There's a lot of ventilation, and I've always thought that the vertical design does better for graphics cards anyway, because you've yes. got the natural convection, you've yeah. got, you know, the lots of ventilated, there's like perforated yeah, panels over this thing. And the graphics card yeah, temperatures were actually excellent um, yeah. with just that that fan setup. Um, yeah, there's practically an open vent right next to the yeah. 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 So that's um, good. As I mentioned, it really it it's very versatile you can build it in a number of different ways and once you decide on how you want to the system you want to put in it it's really easy to build in because uh, as you could see from the photos when you take all the panels off it's uh, it's almost like just building on a on an open chassis because it is so huge um I've never had as easy of a time plugging in the uh, eight pin CPU power as I did on this case. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah no. Because usually knuckles. those How are about ridiculous. That? Yeah, um, it's um, and it performs well. You could build a great system in it. I did have a couple of issues with certain things. You can actually see it there if you look at how far the. Um, the IO of the motherboard would be inset from the top of the case. There's this little almost canyon above. Oh that. yeah, yeah. That's um, not really a bad thing though for these because sometimes that's an, it's the opposite issue where you have like your big display port cable and stuff protrudes out so far. Well, uh, except for the I fact that if you've got to like plug a wireless dongle into that and you've got a bunch yeah. of cables already in there, it's going to yeah. be a pain in the ass that's, that's um, what you could use an extension USB for that kent yeah not to hmm? not to mention the whole faraday cage thing with a wireless dongle yeah don't don't True. put wireless adapters in <laughs> yeah <it>. yes <laughs> this is for wired network users or people who put a wireless like uh card on or, those little stands on top if you of got PC. really really long antenna to stick out the back <laughs> yeah well yeah you don't that's this is the problem with this though I, that's that's true because the a lot of motherboards have the antenna you know connectors on them now and they come with just those you know, not well, a, well, I was speaking of just for like, okay. you know, wireless mice and keyboards, for instance. Yeah, okay. But, True. but um, yeah, it, 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 there, there weren't many things that I just hated. Um, the size and just the, you know, the form factor and the footprint of it is, is huge. Um, when I actually first got it, I looked at it and I was actually thinking of building my next personal rig in it. But there just wasn't space on my desk for it. Um, so you're anti-under the desk? Is that what you're saying? I am anti-under the desk. Okay. Uh, you know, if I put a closed loop in something, I want to look at it. <laughs> um, it's, it's a great one of those sort of cases, looking at it all the time. Absolutely. absolutely. It's almost yeah, like a showcase. I, it, it is, is almost it's, like a showcase. Yeah. yeah if you, I mean, it's almost you know, like if it, Josh. If, if you well, are a custom builder and you want to go to a show and show off what you can do, this is a great case for that. Um, if, it also if looks like a 3D is, printer housing. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen 3D printers that look almost exactly like this. That's yes. exactly what somebody said. Did you measure it out and will it fit a 4090? Mm. Oh, yeah. Namely the Gigabyte one. Oh. I, I actually mention in the review, normally in my reviews, I use a digital micrometer I have and measure to the side panel to see how much CPU cooler clearance there actually is. How big of a micrometer do you have to measure that out with a 4090? 
Well, he doesn't want to brag. From but... the, C- the CPU cooler clearance. CPU cooler clearance to the side oh, okay. panel. Side um, of the case, Josh. It's not it's the, only this far. I could not do that with this case because the micrometer does not extend far enough. Yeah, the cooler uh, height the, limitation is, is if that's is, a limitation. 275 millimeters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> have, high. Have you, noticed, have you noticed a hole in the market with 200 millimeter uh, air coolers? Yeah, Noctua is going to come out with the NDH-20 that uses their 200-millimeter fans on it. Uh, That's perfect. That's it it exactly. Actually, I want that now (laughs) for the Ryzen platform. Wouldn't that be be perfect, though? It would be be nice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, The dimensions of the case, by the way, are about 24 inches, so it's two feet tall by about 15 inches by by 15.3 by 15.7, so... If you have a space for about a 16 by 16 footprint, you can get this, you can get this in there. You know, the funny thing is, is, is I, when I looked at that, I'm like, you know, that's not that huge of a footprint. And then I actually looked at the case and those numbers do. Listen, Kent, I'm not trying to mansplain this to you, but you got the white version. White stuff always looks bigger. If you got the black one, you'd be like, no, I actually kind of like this, but it's the white. So it stands out. It looks like a mini fridge. (laughs) <laughs> and you th- just think it's too big. But 16 by 16? I mean, you don't have 16 by 16 on your desk? Get a bigger desk. Uh, not, and a stronger one. Because I have. <laughs> apparently this case is uh, 32.6 pounds on its own. Yes. Ooh, that's a hefty case. But the price it per is pound hefty. is good because it's only $179.99. When I looked on <laughs> but, Amazon you know, there are, um, there are uh, some... Pretty large glass panels two in it bucks too, a pound? which Less makes up a lot a of the weight. Um, yeah, it's cheaper it, it than hamburger. Really it, you know, and I, I mentioned it in the, the the review. I had a lot of trouble writing the review because I really like the case, but I also sort of hate the case. It's just <laughs> so, too big. Wait a minute. Were you writing an essay about marriage? Uh, no, it was a complicated relationship. Yeah, it oh, was okay. a complicated relationship um, because it's a nice case. I, there are a lot of things I like about it. It's just if, it's not your if case. you're the person that buy if, it's if, a little if hefty. you're the person that buys this case, you have to want this case. Um, you have to be into larger cases, and not everybody is. Yeah, you know? yeah. But one those that are are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, and it's mm-hmm. a really good case for that person. Mm-hmm. So that's that was that was my conclusion, and for that person, I, I gave it our silver award. I I reviewed the ITX version of this, the Tower One Hundred, some time ago, and I've been I've been gaming with it. It's back there in the corner, that little black cooler yeah. that stack right there behind me, is that tower 100 itx version of this case and i found it really great to build in it's a nice display mm-hmm. case i don't have any lights in there I'm using an air cooler actually in it on an older eighth gen cpu um <laughs> no problems at all with cooling you know but i and i overclock the crap out of it that's great i yeah. think it's a wonderful case and the itx version is you're right it's a lot different but the itx version doesn't take does not take up a ton of room i think that Easy. case would fit inside the main motherboard compartment of the uh the mid tower version <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah, a question. I should pull up a picture. is it is it larger than this 
Mm. Yes. It, it is. Okay. Wow, it's actually bigger than a 4090. It actually weighs more, than too. Yeah, just a little bit. Six times. Not more. much, but... Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to Picks Lettuce. of the Week? It's getting late. Yeah, it's getting late. Uh, right. Yes. All right, well, Josh, get us started, please. Me? Okay. Uh, get on Amazon. Get the... Uh, you know, if, if you've been holding off and you're underwhelmed by... Maybe not the performance, but the price of the new AMD 7000 series, which, you know, again, performance is great, but motherboards costs are up and memory costs are up and the CPUs are, you know, where they should be priced. But everything else about the uh, environment kind of kind of stinks in terms of price. But, you know, look no further. And Ryzen 9 5900X for three. Thirty-four ninety-nine, otherwise known as $335. That's, that's uh, still a pretty good price mm-hmm. for this. Um, you're you're going to have less gaming performance than, say, a 7600X, but everything else is going to be twice as fast. Well, maybe not twice as fast, but it's going to be fast. Um, and yeah, you can get a 570X or X570-based motherboard for under 200 bucks, easy. That will have all the features you need that, you know, if you were to get a new X670, it would cost about twice as much. So, it you know, if you're, if you're building a new board, memory prices on DDR4 are low. You can get 32 gigs of 3600 memory for about 100 bucks, And uh, for, you know, something faster in DDR5, that's at least double that. Motherboard costs, everything. So yeah, this is this is yep. a pretty amazing price per thread oh, yeah. of a processor. We're not talking. But you'll 3, miss 000. out on all those uh, PCIe <clears throat> 5.0 SSDs that are totally available for purchase right now. But did I say thirty nine hundred? No, I'm, I'm saying that's the oh. kind of price I would have expected to see, like a thirty nine hundred X, just a few months ago. But now we're getting the five thousand series for these discounted prices, and it's oh, we are. It's fantastic because, like you're saying, the boards are cheap. B550 board, DDR4 memory, throw one of these processors in it. And you've still got PCI 4.0 support. So we haven't seen PCI 5.0. No. So you've you've saved hundreds. You've saved hundreds and you've given back how much in performance? 10%? Not much. 20? 20 tops? Not much. All right. Jeremy. So I succumbed to peer pressure, uh, and I'm starting up on the hardware leaderboard again. And as usual, I start with the low end because it's actually one of the more interesting to do because you got to try and figure stuff out. And lo and behold, uh, continuing in Josh's, uh, and this is a Canadian price. Uh, the American price was that I found uh, on the leaderboard was a mere one thirty, but. Uh, Honestly, the coupon gives you an extra ten bucks off, so that's one hundred and sixty Canadian, which is actually probably cheaper than one hundred and thirty American. But yeah, the prices on the the Ryzen five fifty six hundred G are impressive until you compare them to the lower end uh, Core i threes and Core i fives from Intel, where they become amazing because they're not on sale right now. The what I was sort of recommending was the old uh, was an i5 that was 
you know, with significantly cheaper than the uh, thirty, the, the fifty six hundred <clears throat> non G, and has suddenly become uh, two hundred and change. So it's it's a pretty damn good deal if you're looking for something that you don't need to buy a discrete GPU for. Now, if you take a look at the low end system, I actually found a sixteen sixty super for two hundred bucks, and Josh, my five seventy that I found, hundred and fifty. So yeah, the prices are good at the low end. MSI X570A Pro. You're not missing it on anything with this. But you want a B660? 230 and up. So go last generation. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of worth it. And hey, if you're if you're building for someone for someone that isn't going to be spending 100, 200 bucks on a GPU, ah, the 5600G is pretty good for just browsing the web and doing what you need to do. Excellent. In Canada and the U.S. Brett, your pick. Uh, three things. Three things collide on this particular pick. One is uh, my love of widescreen. I mean, I've been pushing it for weeks. Uh, I think I'd like to see a widescreen on everybody's desk. It's well, there the, already is a widescreen on everybody's desk, but you, you're talking about ultra wide. I'm talking about ultra wide screens. You're absolutely right. Thank you for the for the refinement of the, the correction. <laughs> but the point is, is that I love the ultra widescreen format. And as Sebastian pointed out earlier today, it is sort of a PC exclusive in that very, very wide aspect, very, very wide screens and, and the curved nature of it and all that. Which and, is odd um, because it's so cinematic. You could actually watch wonderful, like those really 235 great. to 1 Pan yeah. Panavision movies without yeah. black bars. Love it. But, but does your TV streaming box support ultra wide resolution? Absolutely not. Your no. PC does so. Oh. So number one here is my my love of the ultra wide f format and aspect ratio. The second thing is 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 that as you probably noticed in Sebastian's review of the forty ninety, uh, he did all of his testing at thirty four forty by fourteen forty ultra wide screen one forty four, which is the very one hundred forty four hertz refresh. Mm -hmm. This is the very common uh, refresh rate of a lot of these these panels. My pick this week is yesterday's pricing. Um, on a 160 hertz refresh, 3440, 1440 ultra widescreen from LG, a reasonably reputable um, purveyor of these panels. Well, yeah, considering they're the ones who make the panel that's in every other IPS ultra wide. Exactly, exactly. But the important thing to note here is that everyone that was at 144 hertz previous to this is probably a very, very close kissing cousin of the very same piece of glass very same panel yes this is the 160 so this would be kind of like that next 1.5 not quite 2.0 generation step you know that you want to see but this is their next generation panel with refresh uh, rates at 160 hertz and and i say yesterday's pricing unfortunately the supply chain and a lot of availability pushed the prices of these panels up uh, into the mid threes closer to the 400 dollars so this 330 dollar price range is getting down into what it was maybe a couple years ago couldn't I, I think this is a hot recommendation for people looking to get into ultra widescreen gaming. And it's H, uh, it's HDR10. Well, you know it's oh. IPS, so you know whatever. At least it supports the higher color gamut. But AMD FreeSync Premium, and it has built-in speakers, seven well. watts per channel, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> You could probably skip that one. But the one microsecond uh, refresh rate is also a nice gimme as well. Yeah, that's just like one shade of gray to one shade of gray. It doesn't really uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it IPS. It's not the highest performing panel type, but it is. it does look nice. 160 hertz. 160 hertz IPS. 
That's probably going to be. I would like be... to see some high speed no. photography of. Right. You'd probably All want right. to run it at 144. Yeah. Because you'd be able to run my 160. One, I run my 144s at 120, so fair, fair point. There you go. Hey, uh, speaking of displays, Kent has a pick. Now, speaking of the uh, highest performance uh, type of panel, uh, the I have picked this panel before when it was on sale for $7.99. It is on sale for $7.99 again, but there is now a $200 mail-in rebate on it. So this is a 48-inch 4K OLED 120 hertz with FreeSync Premium gigabyte panel. And uh, at that price, that is a steal for OLED. No argument here. That is cheap. There was, I mean, getting one of these for a thousand dollars was a deal just oh, a year or so ago. Hmm. Hmm. Too bad I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. No, because otherwise you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Got to check those lottery tickets. All right. Well, on that note, let us say goodbye. Josh, do you have uh, an outro in your system for us? I don't know. Why does anybody have an outro in their system? Why would they want to say goodbye to such fine people like you? You listeners, you viewers, you people who transcribe things for strange reasons known only to yourself. But alas, all good things must end, and happily some bad things also end, and I'm not entirely sure which area we're in, but it's one of them. And for us, to you, we would like to say good night. <laughs>